All right, so we today have something special going on. We have less preaching to us, and we are trying something new as a church, because if you've been here for a while, you know less preaches. He's not just like a one-off guest who comes once and then we don't see him again. He preaches fairly regularly here at the bridge. And so what we're going to do, instead of him continuing to preach along in the series that we've been going through, is he's actually going to be doing his own sermon series on the side so that each time he preaches, he's uh, building off what he preached the last time. So I'll let him introduce what he's going to be preaching through. Uh, But just to give you an idea of why we're not going to be in Ephesians today and we're going to be somewhere else, and then the future times that Les preaches, he's going to continue this series and build off what he's doing today. So let's pray for him, and then we'll invite Joshua to come up and do the scripture reading today. Father, we thank you for Les. We thank you for his, um, just the ability you've given him to teach your word and the willingness to teach your word, and I pray that you would be speaking to us through him today and helping us to know you more clearly because of the words that he says to us right now. Yeah, pray for this time that you'd help us to focus and be able to listen and hear you speaking through him. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Joshua, we're going to invite you to come on up and read the passage for today to us. Morning, church family. Uh, Today's scripture reading is from Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 10. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who call you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one who preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, Let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for the opportunity um, to come up and share with you the word of God this morning. as you may have noticed, we, we've been going through a series here at the Bridge Church, and it's um, the book of Ephesians. And I know, I know some of you still have your little notebooks for, for the study that we're doing on the book of Ephesians. We're not going to use them today. Uh, in fact, we're going to take a, a little break, and we'll be um, looking at a different letter, a different letter of Paul's, 
um, to a different region. And as you may have guessed, because uh, Brother Joshua just read through uh, the first chapter, and the first 10 verses of the chap- first chapter of Galatians, we'll be looking at the book of Galatians this week, Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. Now, it's always fascinating for me to, to, to study Paul's letters, because each of Paul's letters is a different message to a different part of the world with specific needs with certain things that are going on in that church, and they're relevant to us today. Um, And Paul, as a great author, is also able to break down for us this Christian theology, this new gospel that is being preached um, once Jesus has come. The other thing cool, I think that's really cool about Paul is Paul's an amazing guy, isn't he? I mean, he's one of the, the, you know, one of these giants in the New Testament. Um, And so we get a glimpse through his letters, into his psyche, into the way he thinks, and into the heart of this faithful servant of Christ. So today we'll take a step back from, from Ephesians, and we'll uh, look at an introduction to the book of Galatians. And, and this introduction will be a springboard into a, a series that I'll be going through with all of us in the months to come uh, on the book of Galatians. Before I continue, I've got a a bit of an assignment for everyone. I know the students are going, ah, assignments again. But this is just a mental one, okay? I want all of us here to think about the first time you stepped into a church. So for some of us here, it might be the bridge. The bridge might be the first church that you've uh, ever come to. For some of us, because we've come from different parts of the world, uh, we've attended churches in our home countries. For some of us, like myself, when we first came to Hong Kong, we... Uh, we visited several churches, and different churches do different things differently, don't they? So I want us all to start thinking, start jogging your memories, and think about all the different churches you've been to, and what are the, when I say things, I mean things like rituals and traditions, or different words that they use in different churches. And we'll come back to that. We'll come back to the, hold on to those memories, we'll come back and we'll revisit them later. The title of today's gospel is, uh, today's sermon is, No Other Gospel. And we'll be looking at three points today as we study the first chapter of Galatians. One, what happened to the churches in Galatia at the time? Two, what was Paul's response to that? Why did he write this letter to them? And third, that there is only one gospel, which is the good news. But before that, let's pray. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your word would be revealing to us uh, this morning. God, I pray that the words from my mouth would not be my own, Lord, that they would be divinely yours. Lord, we, um, we want to listen, open up our hearts and our minds this morning to what you have to say to us through this word, the divine word, in Jesus' name. Amen. So just to give you a little background on what's going on in, in Galatia right now. When Paul first, through his conversion, became a Christian, and he felt compelled to spread the gospel, he, started, he, he became a missionary, and he started traveling to different regions uh, close by. And that's why we have these letters, because he's gone to different parts of the world and he's preached the gospel and he's set up these churches. He's preached the good news of Jesus and he's also set up churches. He's built churches. Now, Paul made two trips to an area called Galatia. And, you know, when we hear names like, you know, Corinth, which still exists today, or Thessalonica, 
uh, Thessalonica, that's in Greece. Like these places still exist. So we still have a, you know, kind of an idea of where these places are, like Rome, the book of Romans, Rome, which is in Italy, right? But when we think of Galatia, it's kind of hard to imagine where that is. Galatia is actually a, a region in what is now central Turkey. And at the time, it was ruled by the Romans. And if that still seems a little difficult to imagine, consider this. Galatia is a region. It's not just a city, okay? It's a region. And in this region, it's, it's a multi-ethnic region. There are people from different uh, parts of the area who have come in. They speak different languages. They, some, they, don't look, they don't all look the same. They don't all sound the same. They come with different traditions. They come with different rituals. They come with different expectations. And the, the capital town of Galatia is, an, is, is a place called Ankyra, which is from the Greek word anchor. And just for perspective, that is basically the modern, in today's modern day, that is the city of Ankara, which is in Turkey. Now, that just helps me imagine where everything is and that these places still exist today. So that, that's the region, right? This is Galatia. And Paul had made two trips to the area of Galatia and he had planted churches. And people were turning to Jesus, coming to believe in Jesus, and they were in these churches. Now, years later, it's just a few years, Paul hears word of what is going on in Galatia, and this is what is going on. In the early churches in Galatia, you had, because it wasn't Israel, it wasn't part of Israel, you had non-Jewish people, or in other words, Gentiles. So the Gen there were Gentile Christians, but there were also Jewish Christians who were moving into the city or who were, living, who were living in Galatia, and they accepted Christ too. In fact, some scholars say that the number of Jewish Christians and the number of non-Jewish Christians was basically 50-50. So you've got half Jewish Christians, half Gentile Christians. And while Paul was gone, because Paul had set up the churches and he had moved on to other regions and he had spread the gospel in different parts, while, while Paul was gone, the Jewish Christians in the early church in Galatia began exercising some influence on the non-Jewish Christians. And as we know, the Jewish tradition and culture dates back hundreds of years. And they have the Torah, they have the Old Testament and the Old Laws, which is part of, basically part of their tradition. And at the time, the Jewish people, the Jewish Christians who had accepted Christ. Okay, they were Jewish, they just had to be Jewish, but they were Christians. They had accepted Jesus. They began imposing certain restrictions and requirements on the Gentiles. Now, when we talk about rituals, I want us, you know, I just ask all of us to think again, uh, to try and jog our memories. And what is it that we do different in different churches? And I'll share something for me. I, I grew up in church. I grew up in, I, I, I was raised in a Christian home. I became a Christian when I was in my teens, but I grew up in church and was used to the liturgy. I was used to hearing the verses. I, was, I attended Sunday school, so I knew all the characters in the Bible. Um, and I remember one of these traditions in my church. So we had scripture reading today, and Joshua came up to read the scripture. In the church where I grew up, we had two Bible readings. The first Bible reading was called the Word of God. And so someone would come up here, like Brother Joshua came up today, and then he would say, um, uh, today the word of God is from the book of Psalms, and then he would read it. And then after he read it, everybody would say, I, no, after reading it, Joshua would say, this is the word of God, which some of us do here. And everybody would say, thanks be to God. Anybody familiar with that? In the church you grew up in, probably? Yeah. And then we would have a second re reader come up, and the second reader would be reading the gospel 
and he would come up here, or he or she would come up here, and, and, and the reader would say, please rise for the gospel of Christ. And we would all stand. And I remember going up into church thinking, wow, this, this has got to be something really important if it's, you know, you got to stand for the, for the gospel. And it sticks with me until this day. You know, we want to give it respect, right? So then they would read from the gospel. And at the end, the reader would say, this is the gospel of Christ. And everybody would say, praise you, Lord Jesus. I know it's different in some other churches. That's the tradition. Now, that's nice, right? I, I like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of a traditionalist. I like some of these rituals. I like some of the tradition because I feel it, it you know, it kind of helps me focus a bit more. It helps remind me that this is serious business. You know, we're talking about the gospel of Jesus here. It's a serious, this is serious business. Was that what they were doing in Galatia? Maybe. We talked about the Jews, the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians, and I talked a little earlier about how the Jewish Christians began imposing restrictions on the non-Jewish Christians. And that restriction was circumcision. Because in the Jewish tradition, for hundreds of years, in order for you to be right with God, in order for you to surrender your life to God, you give up a piece of your flesh. That was the tradition of circumcision. That was a sign that's, that's what circumcision meant. And the Jews began telling the Gentiles that if you, you know, we believe in Jesus just like you believe in Jesus, but you've got to be circumcised. And while Paul was gone, it even got to the point where Jewish Christians were not willing to sit at the same table with the Gentiles unless they were circumcised. So there are lines being drawn in the church. There's segregation happening in the church. But we don't do this at the bridge, right? I mean, if we have new people coming into church and we have ushers like Brother Joshua in the back, he's not going to come, hi, good morning, welcome to the bridge. Are you circumcised? No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to say, if you're circumcised, please sit here. And if you're not, well, hang on, you know, we'll give you a week. We don't do that at the bridge. If someone new was to come in here, Brother Joshua wouldn't say, hi, welcome to the bridge. Are you Jewish? Because if you are, you sit here. And if you're not Jewish, you sit over here. Or, if you're circumcised, you can sit with the other Jews. We don't do that, do we? But let's think about this a little more deeply. Let's, let's go into what's happening here a little more deeply. Because this got me thinking. As I was studying this this week, as I was reflecting on it, it got, it got me thinking. When, when, I'm, when I was a kid, and I grew up in church, I, as I said, I knew, I knew the traditions, the liturgy, the words. I could quote it. And I remember when I was in youth group, and somebody knew actually it was my classmate. My classmate decided to start coming to youth group. And he decided one day at youth group that he wanted to be a Christian. And the youth pastor explained it to him. What does it mean to become a Christian? What does it mean to live by? What does it mean to give up your life and forget about works and just have faith because Jesus died for you and he's giving you this gift of grace. And he was really touched by it and he decided, yeah, I want to be a Christian. And he became a Christian. And then he started coming to church in fact, he said he sat on the same row as me in church. And I remember this one day when I was a youth, sitting in church, just, just like I am here. And when it came time to stand for the gospel, he, he didn't know. He didn't know how to stand. In youth group, when we were asked to share, he couldn't quote from the Bible like so many of us could. When he was asked, do you know anybody from the Bible, any, you know, any characters from the Bible, he said, well, uh, uh, Jesus which is good enough, really. Um, when it came time to praying, I thought to myself, gee, you know, he, he doesn't know how to 
you know, how to say the right words to pray, as if there are the right words to pray. Are there? And the interesting is this, the interesting thing is this, as I read through Galatians and I reflect on what it was like in Galatia, that's what I was like. Church, do any of us feel the same way? Have you ever done that? Because what I did here is this, I created a man-made bar. And it's dangerous when you start creating a man-made bar or a standard because you begin using that as a benchmark to look at people. And so I was judging him. I was looking down on him. Because we both accepted Christ, haven't we? We both accepted this gift of grace. We're both being transformed daily by the Spirit. And yet, in my mind, he, was, he wasn't good enough. And as I look at this, I realize that this is fascinating because we don't even realize it. We're so clouded by our pride, we don't even realize we're doing this. And that's why what's happening in Galatia at the time could be happening here. It could be happening at our church. It could be happening in our hearts. So that's, that's the setting. That's what's happening in Galatia at the time. Well, let's look at Paul's letter now and see what his reaction to this is. Because he'd been away for a few years and he's writing this letter now in response because he's heard about this, about the churches in Galatia. Before that, another assignment. We're going to do a bit of comparison today. Now, if we've been reading through Ephesians and if you read some of Paul's other letters like uh, Colossians or Thessalonians, you'll notice that when Paul writes a letter, he uses a standard format, and that's the format that the letters were, uh, were written in back in the day, just like how we write a letter today. Dear Mom, I'm happy to write to you, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, we say, with much love, your son, Les, right? That's the format, right? Well, at the time and in this cultural context, letters were written differently. Paul would always start by introducing himself. Paul, if we look at verse 1, you don't have to turn to it. I'll read it out here. Uh, in verse 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, who raised him from the dead. He's stating his credentials here. I'm Paul. I'm an apostle appointed by God, not by man. So I'm the real deal. And then he says, to the churches of Galatia, or to the church in Ephesus, or the, to the church in Corinth, right? So that's the format. I, Paul, I'm writing to you, Hong Kong. And then he always says this throughout his letters. He says, grace and peace to you. That sounds familiar for some of us who are familiar with um, the letters. He says, grace and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Across the board, basically. That's how Paul writes his letters. And then after that, he goes on to uh, words of thanksgiving. I'm, I'm encouraged by what is going on in your church I'm pleased. I thank God for the grace that he has extended to you in this church. That's standard. Again, standard Paul letter language. But not in this case. Not in the letter to the Galatians. He doesn't say anything encouraging. He doesn't, say, he doesn't give any thanks. Instead, he says this in verse 6. I am astonished. Not I'm thankful. I'm astonished. I'll read verse 6 here. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul is astonished. Another word that's used in different translations is, I'm amazed. He's in, he's in awe. He's, he's shocked. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel because he'd heard of what's happening in Galatia. 
And then he says, not that there is another gospel, but that some are, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. This is interesting. When Paul says, not that, you know, you're turning to another gospel, but not that there is another gospel. And what Paul is saying here is that there, there really, there is no other gospel. Why? Because the very definition of the gospel is the good news. And anything else that is not the gospel is not the good news. It's the bad news. In essence, what he's saying here is that it's not that you reject Christ, and it's not that you're turning away from Jesus. It's not that you don't want to live by faith. But what you're doing is you're twisting it. You're adding things to it. You're supplementing it. In fact, you're getting some of the Mosaic laws, like the Ten Commandments, and putting it on there. Don't we do that? I know I do. And what Paul is saying here is, in essence, we actually have a natural tendency. Uh, there's an inherent tendency for us to do that. And it sounds a little scary sometimes, but we actually don't even notice it sometimes. I know I don't. I don't even notice it sometimes. And I always wonder, what would Paul say if he could write a letter to, the Hong, to Hong Kong? Uh, Paul, an apostle, to the churches in Hong Kong. What, what would he say? I mean, in, in reality, we don't, we, don't, we don't need a letter like that because we have the book of Galatians and the book of Ephesians because it's the living word of God and it speaks to us today. This letter speaks to us today and is as relevant to us today as it was to the Galatians then. So strong are Paul's words about our act of distorting the gospel that he says this. He says that if anyone is preaching to us a gospel contrary to the original gospel, let him be accursed. That's very strong language, isn't it? Church, when we begin to distort the gospel, when we begin to add stuff to it, when we begin to build man-made standards and man-made bars and start looking at each other through them, then we, we fall, we end up living under the impression that those other things that draw us closer to God. Now, I want to be really careful when I say that because we talked about traditions earlier, and we're not saying that traditions are bad. Uh, when I said I like those traditions and I like those rituals, um, there's, because it helps me feel closer to God, that's, that's good. But when we start replacing our faith, and when we, start, when we stop understanding that we're saved by grace, and we start thinking that those are the things that prove to God that we are closer to Him, lists, to-do lists, works, that's what Paul's talking about. Because when we set those standards, those man-made standards, we start looking at each other and we start judging each other. And that's called legalism. And what we end up doing is we build proverbial walls again, Jewish and Gentile, just in a different context today. We forget, and that's what Paul's telling us here, we forget about the grace that saves us and we forget about faith. In verse 10, Paul says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man, or am I seeking the approval of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, then I would not be a servant of Christ. They're completely separate. We want to be servants of Christ, don't we? And as we'll see later in the series of Galatians, we also want to be servants to each other through love. And that comes from knowing Christ. So how do we do this? How do we continue to be servants of, of Christ. Well, we'll look at a third point today. Is Paul says that there is only one gospel. There is only one unadulterated gospel. 
where we are slaves to the expectations of man, expectations of work, expectations of how we're supposed to behave in church or what we're supposed to say in church. Jesus, on the other hand, offers us freedom through faith in him alone. That's it. We also need to remember that, remember that the gospel is not for the Jew. That's what Paul's saying in the Galatians, right? But it's not just for the Jew. It's not, it's not just for the Gentile. It's, it's for everybody. It's for you and me. We talked in previous weeks about how Jesus, by dying on the cross for us, by giving himself for us, he meets us where we are. And I forget sometimes what that means. He meets us where we are. That means wherever we are in life, whether you're a student who is an A-grade student or a B-grade student or a C-grade student, whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're jobless or have a well-paying job, whether you're, you've got a college education or not, whether you're from this part of the world or a different part of the world, whether you speak this language or you don't speak this language, whether you are depressed or whether you're happy and in a good place the way you, you see it, the gospel is for you. It meets you where you are. I wrote here, whether you eat beef or not, but I didn't say that. Well, no matter what your dietary restrictions are, no matter whether you choose to eat this or that, the, the gospel of Christ meets us where we are. There are no attachments. There are no supplements. You don't stick anything to it. There's no man-made requirements. It's just about the pure, unadulterated gospel. And that's, that's liberating, isn't it? It's liberating because it levels the playing field. We're all on the same field. It levels the playing field. And that is a powerful message, isn't it? That, that is powerful. Because what Paul is reminding us about here today is all we need is faith in Christ. All we need is faith in Christ. If we supplement that faith by adding stuff to it, whether required ritual or required tradition, we walk away from the entire concept of grace and freedom and we fall back on slavery. This is the gospel that Jesus gave himself. He gave himself to us. He died for our sins because he loves us. And he loves us. He loves you and me. He meets us where we are. He meets you where you are, wherever you are in life. Whatever the circumstances that you're in, he meets you there because he loves you. All we need to do is believe in faith. Church, uh, Paul's first few lines in, in this letter to the Galatians is a reminder to us. It's a reminder that we sometimes unknowingly distort the gospel. We don't even realize it sometimes. He reminds us with some very firm language that there is no other gospel. Any other gospel is a gospel of works. It's not a gospel of faith in Jesus. Paul reminds us once again to turn back to Jesus and only Jesus because this gift and it's a gift. It comes from Jesus alone. It doesn't come from what man have made up. It doesn't come from another person. It doesn't come from an institution. Certainly not the expectations of man. I think how wonderful it is. How wonderful it is to have these, these, these beautiful letters from Paul to remind us that we have a loving father who offers us freedom, who offers us freedom from slavery, freedom from oppression, freedom from worldly expectation, freedom from expectations of one culture or another culture or a tradition, and he cares for us deeply. Church, would we uh, reflect this morning? Would we reflect on, on our church? Would we reflect on the bridge? Would we reflect 
on Hong Kong and the churches in Hong Kong? And would we reflect on our hearts? And finally, would we reflect once again on Christ once more? And in doing so, will we encourage each other to turn to Jesus daily? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Paul's letters. And Lord, even though we are tempted, Lord, to read them historically, God, you have so much to say to us, even in today's day and age, through his letters. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that through, these, through this letter to Galatians, God, that you remind us, God, that when we turn away from you, we, 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 we forget we forget that it is by grace, Lord, that we are saved. And it is by faith in you, Lord, that we are saved. Lord, I pray that as a church, we would continue to encourage each other. Lord, we would continue to act out of love, Lord, because we have been saved by grace. Teach us, God, to turn to you daily. Teach us, Lord, to turn away from the expectations of the world, to impose our own man-made expectations on each other, Lord, but to steer each other, Lord, towards you and only you. Lord, I pray that we would discover, Lord, your grace and mercy each and every day. Thank you, God, for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.